Welcome in, and thank you for listening to the Two Point Conversion Podcast. My name is Levi McGuire, and my brother Josh and I, each week, are going to talk about college and the NFL. Mainly, we're going to talk about betting on those games. Uh, We're going to take a look at lines each week, what we like, the matchups we see after the week, and we tell you guys what we'll bet. You guys should tail those bets. We're going to recap the games, talk about what went right, and sometimes maybe what went wrong. Obviously, we have to cover bad beats. Everybody has a bad beat in this game. It's just the nature of the beast. If you're listening right now, first off, thank you. Please follow the podcast channel, rate five stars, and write a review, and let's get into it. We're going to kick things off talking about a little bit of college football. Um, Levi, did you get a chance to watch some of those week one football games? I watched way too many football games on Saturday. Really, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, but that's exactly the way I wanted it. Thank God fans are back. Yeah, fans being back is huge. Uh, I was able to uh, place about seven or eight bets, I believe, this weekend. Pretty positive uh, overall first weekend. Don't want to take too much credit here for for something that's not on tape before uh, before I place the bets, though. So I really just want to kind of get into some reactions here from the first week. Um, also going to go ahead and pop open a couple brewskis here, uh, sipping on a little sycamore pumpkin latte blonde, uh, seasonal beer here, Charlotte Brewery. Uh, Levi's taking a few sips. Feedback so far? Pretty good. Not crazy, overly punching you in the taste buds. If you don't like pumpkin beers for that reason, I would say give this one a try. Yeah, it's pretty good. You grab a little, uh, tall four pack. Uh, I'm a, I'm a fan here, so... Uh, like I said, it's me, Levi. We got Maya here chilling by the window, taking a little nappy poo. Um, but let's just go ahead and jump into some of the actions here. Uh, overall, for, first week, pretty happy with uh, kind of what you saw in the field, Levi? Yeah, I think for the most part, again, we talked about the fans that got us back to a little bit normal. Uh, we'll get into the games a little bit more, just talk about uh, what what we saw and, and how they, things could have been a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, I thought for the most part, good games. Yeah, I, I thought so too. So let's let's get into a little week one overreactions. Uh, so first, I'm going to go with a good overreaction here. Uh, I think followed by a, a pretty bad overreaction by Levi. Uh, and, and we're going to keep things pretty high level here. Talk about some top five rated teams. Uh, and, and you can't really have a college football podcast without touching on uh, Alabama. I think people were kind of questioning how they were going to recover, losing a lot of offensive pieces, pretty much their entire receiving core. Uh, nothing new there, but uh, really the first changeover at quarterback that we've seen in a while uh, because Tua kind of took over for Jalen Hurts, and last year Mac Jones took over for Tua. But we had seen those guys in some limited action and had a pretty good feeling that you know they would be serviceable and able to perform with the talent around them. And so Alabama opens here, pretty anticipated game. I think people had it circled on their calendar uh, right as the schedule came out. So uh, played Miami of Florida. Uh, And one of the big things that I was looking for was, of course, the quarterback, uh, Bryce Young. Like I mentioned, haven't really seen a ton of him. Uh, He's young. Uh, I I think most people assumed that he'd be coming in as as a running quarterback. And it was really quite the opposite. Uh, I thought he looked very comfortable in the pocket. 
I was super impressed with the way that he was able to keep his eyes downfield. Uh, Miami's typically has a pretty good front seven. And I thought early in the game they did a really good job uh, getting some pressure on him, uh, not giving him a bunch of layup throws. And, and he really delivered. I think I think that caught Miami by surprise. And they kind of got hit in the mouth. Uh, it looked like Young was ready with his pre-snap, quick throws, got the ball out quick. When they were able to get pressure on him, uh, he kept his eyes downfield. Only two carries, which I feel like is a pretty good sign for a young quarterback. He wasn't, you know, not seeing his first option tucking and, and taking the three, four-yard runs. I thought he was really trying to extend plays with his eyes, and uh, he did a good job hitting his receivers in stride. 27-38 to 38 for 344, four scores. That comes out to a QBR of 94.2. It has to be one of the most impressive passing performances in a guy's first start. And, and, and have at it, it's the 14th team in the country as well. So it wasn't like he was out there playing Miami of Ohio or Bowling Green. Uh, dude was playing Miami of Florida, pretty hyped, uh, returning a lot of defense. Manny Diaz, he gets that defensive group ready typically. Uh, but really just from the get-go, it's the first quarter. I saw this play. Wasn't watching the game live at this point, but was able to catch a highlight. Uh, third and four, first quarter, I think maybe six minutes to go in the in the first quarter. Game's still pretty tight. Uh, <clears throat> I see Bryce Young. He kind of gets flushed out the pocket a little bit. Dude gets up near the line of scrimmage, throws a backhand flip to the running back on third and four. Impressive play under pressure. In the first quarter versus the 14th team in the country. I mean, the confidence this kid is exuding is just, it's impressive. I thought Mechie looked good. I thought Jamison Williams, the Ohio State transfer, looked good. Uh, I think they've got some weapons. The running game was was as expected. Uh, I think Miami is better than what they put on the tape. Uh, they pretty much gifted. Uh, Miami was gifted three points in the first half on a questionable pass interference. Really could have went into the half with just a donut on the board. Um, and I thought Miami's tackling overall looked pretty bad in the first half. Looked like they cleaned some stuff up. But, yeah, I don't know how much easier their schedule is going to get from here. But I, I think Alabama is a pure, a pure ride with me. I'm not going to be fading them anytime soon. Uh, but on the other hand, Clemson, a little bit scary in their debut. Uh, didn't look like they could run the ball very much. I'm going to kick it over to Levi here for, for just some quick thoughts on the game. Um, what you see out there? Well, anytime that number five and number three play in week one, I think we're all happy just to have that as a gift. Uh, but this game was actually pretty underwhelming. Uh, only, what, 13 total points scored. Only one touchdown was actually scored, and that came from the Georgia defense. Uh, my main takeaway, just from watching this game, DJ Ugalele, uh, I know he's a pretty highly rated can you prospect. Can you say that again? I don't, I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> DJ Ugalele. Ugalele. Like a ukulele. Uh, the thing that stands out to me the most is just his insanely long windup. When he goes to throw the football, it reminds me a lot of a young Byron Leftwich, which was a big topic of debate when he came into the league. Can he make it when his time to throw is so long? Especially, we see him get sacked seven times. Now, that's not entirely all his fault, but I think he is going to have to shorten his stroke if he's going to be a good premier quarterback. And we talked just briefly about the offensive line. Clemson's just got beat all over the line. Uh, their, their tackle got beat early in the game on a bull rush. And there were some stunts that had happened later in the game off the left side that wasn't picked up by Ugalele. But 
Really, the entire line was a mess. Uh, you saw they were giving up pressures right up the middle between A and B gaps on the right side. They're going to have to work on this, and this is a big concern. Clemson has never been a team that has an elite offensive line. They don't put elite offensive linemen in the NFL draft. Uh, Jackson Carmen just went in the draft, but I believe he was a mid-round pick. I think he was third or fourth. Not a, not a great showing from their offensive line. Uh, just got beat by Bull Rush's stunts, and then once UGA saw that weakness, they started attacking with numbers, and it just it just didn't get any better for them. Uh, you could see DJ Ugalele had 14 carries for minus 22 yards. Now, obviously, some of those are sack yards, but really, really telling performance. Are sack yards, I should probably know this, sack yards in the NFL I don't think count against your rushing. Is that confirmed for college? I have to believe that sacks here counted against him as rush yards, considering he had negative 22 rush yards. But the other part of this game, you got to talk about Georgia just a little bit. I really wasn't overly impressed with JT Daniels. I think coming into this game, he was pretty much looked at as a Heisman candidate, but he had a, little, he had a couple of nice throws outside the numbers, but I thought he sailed a lot of his throws. I thought he uh, got himself into trouble throwing into traffic a few times. He had one throw at the end of the third quarter where he threw into a very crowded end zone when he needed points, and I just don't think that was a very heady decision. So not very impressed with JT Daniels, but... The star of this game was the Georgia defense. Uh, there was a huge game from N'Kobe Dean. Uh, he was all over the place, pressuring the quarterback, defending passes. Uh, and just overall from the UGA defense, they're Havoc. Uh, Havoc is your tackles for loss, passes defense, and your forced fumble percentage. And they had eight tackles for loss and four passes defense. Uh, so really great night from Georgia. Oh, and by the way, they scored the only touchdown in the game. So this really put the game away for Georgia. They kept Clemson off the field. And two things that both of these, or one thing that this, both of these teams did very poorly was finishing drives. Uh, Clemson punted from deep within their own zone at one point. That ball actually kicked off a UGA return guy, and Clemson was able to return it at, or pick it up at the 50-yard line. I can think of another interception that put Clemson inside the 40 of Georgia. These guys just couldn't finish drives, and I think that that's going to haunt them moving forward. Speaking of uh, punts that hit hit guys in Georgia, uh, at least it wasn't a Georgia Southern debacle. Uh, or Georgia State was a Georgia State, Georgia State where back to back plays muff punt couldn't recover either of them, uh, and holding penalties <clears throat> on both. Yeah, holding penalties just just overall. Me and Levi were both sweating that game here, and and just 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 pretty much infuriating. Uh, just a couple closing notes I had on the Clemson game. I mean, obviously, the quarterback play was was alarming. Um, Levi kind of touched here on the offensive line. Uh, but just the overall running game itself. I mean, I know Georgia has an incredible front seven year in, year out. Uh, they're going to stop the run for the most part. But 23 carries for two yards. And I know a lot of that was made up here uh, by the negative rushing yards of the QB. But uh, Will Shipley, guy here from... Uh, He's, he's, he's from Charlotte. A lot of hype coming in. Four carries for seven yards. I mean, it was so bad, they just they stopped running the ball. I mean, their running backs here, it looks like they had nine carries combined among the running backs. Yeah, really not a good game. Like, in the pass game or the run game for this Clemson offensive line. We need to keep that in mind moving forward <laughs> as we put money down. Speaking of moving forward, let's go ahead and jump into some of the uh, Week 2 action here. So we've had Week 0 bunch of cupcake games last week was our real first taste of the action week one 
Um, and then let's jump into a little Friday night action uh, for week two. So I'm going to kind of kick it off here. Uh, see, first game, 7.30, ESPN2. We got Coastal Carolina hosting Kansas as a 25-point dog or 25-point favorite. Uh, does that sound about right, Levi? 25 and a half for Coastal. They're going to be home on that teal turf. Just some quick notes about these teams. Uh, Kansas nearly lost last week to FCS South Dakota at home in Lance Leopold's coaching debut. Uh, just to tell you how close they came to losing, after they beat South Dakota at home, mind you, they, their fans rushed the field. Uh, so really not a great vote of confidence from your fans when you're rushing the field against an FCS opponent. Uh, the big takeaway here, uh, Kansas really just can't move the ball. They don't offer anything offensively, and they have zero havoc from their defense. You would think that Kansas against a, a South Dakota team that I don't know anything about, you would think that they could have had a pressure or a tackle for loss or a sack. There was just nothing that the defense put into that box score. Uh, so going out on the road against number 17, Coastal, I just don't see how Coastal doesn't get every single thing that they want here. Uh, Grayson McCall in his last game, insanely efficient against Citadel. Shamari Jones just ran all over the place. He had nine carries for 100 yards. Look, I just I don't see any way that Kansas is competitive in this game. Uh, it's 25 and a half points for Coastal. I honestly think that they can have that covered by halftime. We may look at some first half on that. Right now I've got the full game, 25 and a half at home against Kansas. But again, I don't see a way that they're going to backdoor Coastal. I would lay this one super heavy on the units and just come along and laugh with me. Does Kansas have any weapons? I know uh, they lost Puka Williams. He was pretty much everything they had last year. They have anything on the outside. I mean, what, what are they doing offensively? Do you even have to worry about them putting up 20 points, 10 points in this game? I wouldn't think so. Just They scored 17 points in their last game at home. Quarterback Jason Bean not only was the leading passer, he was also the leading rusher in that game with 15 carries for 54 yards. Their starting running back, Velton Gardner, 19 carries, 21 yards. That's 1.1 yards per carry. I mean, I this is a bet your house bet, guys. A coastal at home against Kansas. Yeah, I'm I'm looking here at the score. Uh, I mean, we got an over under of 52, spread of 25 and a half. To me, that's basically saying Kansas is lucky to put up 10, um, based on the line here. Uh, so I feel pretty confident. Listen to you on that first game. Uh, second game, we've got Duke coming off a loss uh, versus me and Levi's alma mater here. Uh, UNC Charlotte recently rebranded to the uh, just the Charlotte 49ers. How do you feel about that? I love it. I think it makes way more sense, and I'm, I'm glad we're finally here. Perfect. Uh, what do you think about this game? Do you like do you like this game? Is this a stay away? Do you have any, you know, maybe a betting nugget here or there for the listeners? I don't really want to touch this game. I actually think this is a decent bounce-back spot for Duke. Uh, a classic case of now people are just way too far off that team. Look, there's not a whole lot great to say about Duke's secondary. Chris Reynolds tore them tore them up. But this is a home game for Duke at against North Carolina A&T. You know, I wouldn't overthink this one. I'm just going to stay away from it just because Duke does not give me that much confidence. But they're going to win this game. I'm just I'm not comfortable taking it. So I'm, this is a pass for me. Yeah, I, I don't even know. Have you seen a line for this game? What what is this the line looking like here? So fun fact, the line is actually not posted right now. 
which tells me there may be some some game time decisions from either side. Okay. We got undefeated uh, North Dakota at Utah State. Any anything here? Is this is this a stay away? I'm I'm not seeing a line posted for this one either. I tip, I'm not going to bet on a game that I'm not really confident on. Uh, so when I give you guys a game and I give you a number, I want you to feel really confident in that number. And there's just not enough intel here for me on this game with Utah State at home. Okay. Well, that pretty much brings us to the last game here for Friday. Uh, we'll probably be back with you guys to discuss some of these weekend games. Uh, but let's just let's wrap it up here. We got UTEP, at undefeated UTEP, 2-0. Uh, playing on Fox Sports 1, 9.30 p.m. at Boise State on the blue field. How, how do you feel about this game? Uh, so what we're going to do here is we're going to kindly take those points from Boise State. UTEP's <clears throat> catching 26 points here on the road. Uh, I'll tell you why I like this bet. First off, UTEP has started off 2-0. They've got confidence coming into this game. Uh, but fewer teams have a slower pace than UTEP, and they love to run the ball and control the clock here. Uh, what that basically means is over numbers are going to be hard to hit with UTEP, and I think that they're going to be able to stay close in this game. 51 rushing attempts in their last game against Bethune-Cookman. I mean, 51 rush attempts. Now, it's not one guy, but they are committed to the run in their games. Quarterback Garrett Hardison only had 39 pass attempts through two games combined, 39 pass attempts. Meanwhile, Boise is coming off their loss to UCF on the road. They gave up nine tackles for loss to the Golden Knights defense. Quarterback Hank Bachmeyer, only 39 attempts in that game while averaging 6.7 yards per attempt. So it's very little pass explosiveness in his first game. Uh, I look for that to continue. Uh, they lost Brian Harson to Auburn. New coach Andy Avalos is coming in from the Oregon defensive coordinator side. So I don't know how focused they actually are on the offense. They certainly they looked okay in their last game. They put up 31 points. But this just, to me, doesn't seem like a very explosive offense. And, and that could be due to their, their poor offensive line play. I don't know how far you can get the ball pushed down the field. They had eight hurries allowed, they, along with their nine tackles for loss. I could be wrong here, but Boise had an early lead in that uh, UCF game, did they not? They had an early lead, but we need to keep in mind there were some bad plays in the red zone that can make this game look a little bit closer than it actually was. But all these things considered, I like this number for UTEP at 26 especially if they can play the sticks on defense. If Boise's not going to push vertically down the field, you can just play the sticks on third down. I think UTEP can control possession in this game. Ultimately, though, I do think Boise will win this game. They're at home, as you mentioned, on the blue turf. UTEP is a good team, but they're not you know, a Boise State team. UTEP or Boise will win this game, but to say that they're going to win this game by 26 is a stretch for me. So I'm taking UTEP catching 26 on the road. Are you feeling both these games kind of a single game bet? You gonna get a little uh, parlay with them? Could you see yourself doing a little two teamer, a little uh, Friday night sweat? That's a good question. Um, it could be a little bit of a two teamer. That, that's a great call, Josh, because you could bet both of these games side by side. But uh, I'm so confident in the coastal number. I think you take the extra odds. Unless you want to lay heavy on coastal, go a little bit lighter on UTEP. Depends on your confidence level here. Uh, but I would might think about pairing these yeah, at a parlay. I'm really confident in Coastal. Lay about a unit to unit and a half on this. 